I was a poli-sci major, which is a weird, they have a lot of weird majors now, but when I was in college, <clears throat> my good friend, Jack Gill, Jack Gill Jr. <clears throat> from Deerfoot, he was a earth science teacher. We were somewhere conversing, either coming home or at Deerfoot or whatever, because um, he always gave me a ride each summer. And he said, um, this is 65, roughly, um, political science. So who do you have you concluded or figured is going to win the election? I think this was Goldwater and Johnson. Right? But anyway, I said, it's not exactly a science. It's more of politics or whatever. And, of course, he saw things as an earth science teacher more into sciences that I should have been able to quickly or sometime. And in this part of Daniel, or this um, five chapters, we're, we're at chapter five, I'm looking at him as a, an ambassador or, as you might have guessed, a early missionary type in that uh, he was representing the Lord in a very unusual, uh, I don't uh, understand kings and royalty and with all that goes on today, whether it's the Mideast or Great Britain or wherever when there's stuff. Um, but anyway, he was serving five kings and um, his time of uh, what we know in the Bible. So he had a variety of courts. He was uh, with his buddies, the four uh, courtiers, helpers, advisors. And as I say, in politics, the, I'm in a group on Monday nights with some my peer era, Deerfooters, and one of the my really good friend, except he's a Chicago White Sox fan, said that we we don't we're not going to bring politics into. <laughs> so it is a hard uh, area of life, and we certainly know it. It's <laughs> in America, and questions I have to uh, ponder this morning is: What's your label? What's your attitude? What do you have to give? We're multiple labels, I guess. Technically, I'm not a baby boomer, but I align with them because I'm so close to being a true baby boomer. There's Gen X, there's millennial, and I've made up a new one, the spin cycle gen, and you can imagine who I'm talking about there, but um, I just made that up. We have PKs, preacher's kids. We have MKs, missionary kids. And I just made another one up. Daniel was an EK. When we start out in chapter one, he's an exile kid. And just that in itself says, whoa, that's a challenging situation, but admirably through all we've seen to date 
or read and thought about is he's quite an exceptional exile kid. And what's your attitude? The state of mind that, uh, and that can be a tough one from teachers and I think even drill sergeants. I don't like your attitude, trooper or teacher. Your attitude needs to change. But state of mind of Daniel exhibited in the Bible from my sense or encourage was he was representing that verse or phrase and I didn't look it up but it's somewhere in the New Testament one of Paul's things encouragement to have an attitude of prayer and it's like uh, Thursday I said uh, or let them I would wouldn't be there Thursday morning I was on my way to play golf <laughs> as many of you know or at least my family that's uh, with my buddies and was I praying as I drove the car and that's a difficult thing and like we say you certainly don't want to close your eyes and even in today's whatever lesser or whatever roads but how an attitude of prayer it can be just the sense of where you are going through a day or a time or whatever. Then what do you have to give? And I forget who I stole this from this thought, but will you spend or be spent for the Lord? I've tapped into a Dallas theological summer chapel things. I, they put, teased me for a, a freebie course. I took the course. Now, of course, I get all kinds of, as we know, once you open that door, you you get lots of stuff. But what do you have to give? And then this is sort of the, the big one because it's been in my life. How's your walk with the Lord and <clears throat> this is weird to explain, but I was, and this was before Atlantic City. I was at a, became a gambling place. I went as a counselor or college age rep to a young life retreat at Atlantic City of all places. There was an old hotel walking on the boardwalk. And I don't remember this name, I think it was Dennis, but I'm not sure. Doesn't matter. He said, How's your walk with the Lord? <clears throat> and that has uh, stayed with me. Not every day, but it's at this <clears throat> time of life when I'm maybe in the more mature time of my walk, uh, it come it comes around and also, the other one is, I think of um, a memory bank thing was in high school <clears throat> at a Pinebrook, if anybody, <laughs> there used to be a camp before, uh, sort of a camp, I guess it was, but where we went for retreats 
Um, and it was the closing. Susan thinks she was there. She thinks it was Ernie Woodhouse, but some good speaker was the speaker for the weekend. It was the closing Sunday afternoon before we head back to Joycey and um, the song that we closed with is only to be what he wants me to be. And most of us know that, but that's a challenging song and it's interesting how that rolls around periodically. Uh, what are you being? Are you in the, what he wants you to be? So what about Daniel? What was his label or um, attitude? What did he have to give? Well, his grandmother and um, I think both my grandfathers were well, I don't have any memory of, or great memory, it's sort of a visual, but nothing that they impact. But grandmothers, at least one was important that, uh, remember the other one was her health was so declined. But anyway, then there's the legendary grandmother, Barbara Sanders. <laughs> but how they, have a role, and this isn't, as you know, if you read the chapter, the grandmother in this chapter isn't um, Daniel's grandmother, it's somebody in the uh, kingly court or whatever, what generates there's some, and even our guy, uh, King Bell, I'm going to call him, he's not even the real, he's sort of a Seems like he was almost like a secretary of defense with a royal title or something. And he was for this province or whatever. But this thing is going on and there's the grandmother who comes in and says, you need to know about the spirit of God in a man that uh, needs to be involved here. So Daniel, before we get to that part of the story, he also demonstrated my three R's in his life and walk. He recognized, he refocused, and I stole that term. I love it in the handbook, missionary handbook. Missionaries retire, they go into a refocus category and uh, there's one that really struck me recently a letter in last month I think the McCartys are in France and even with health limitations at 84 and 79 their ambition is to finish his service with their boots on and that's really a grand lock on to have as a focus in your senior years. And I hope I'm not trying to wait this to um, the senior years, but uh, that's actually where we're going to pick up with that. Daniel's life at this time in chapter five is probably in his 70 for all of us in that nearer range. And then uh, 
relate. Early in his life, uh, he had already, as we've witnessed, a considerable recognition of the power of God. He was gifted with considerable uh, talents and insights and all that. He was an exceptional and why he and his three buddies were brought into significant positions in the government. The handwriting episode, we, as I said, kind of let's assume he's semi-retired and in the refocus phase as an ambassador, courtier, government leadership role. Could be any one of those if you want to put him in, but he was that even early on as a as a teenager. That's why he's so amazing. And the scripture phase to keep in mind as we get into this now, um, which you're probably wondering, when are we going to get into it? Scripture phrase to keep in mind is the writing and the writing of the hand on the wall. Um, Eugene Peterson even says the disembodied, the writing of a disembodied hand, which even it sounds shaky to me, but the phrase set apart Christ, it's a scripture phrase, set apart Christ in your heart. Daniel 5 in the verses 10 to 12, and again, um, I struggle to apologize. I'm using the, uh, message and one of my children has opposed to the message but you're if you find that offensive you're free to as they say walk about the plane or walk about the building but um it's the message so it probably unless you have it in your hands it probably won't track but a lot of the reading uh is from the uh eugene peterson message translation So I'm going to call the grandmother an emergency responder. And the queen hears of the hysteria at the feast, which was sounds like just a unusually well, was a thousand were at this and they're drinking and uh, dishonoring the Lord in a gross way with the cups that were stolen from the temple and so forth. And she comes in and kind of tries to cool your jets, whatever. The queen hears of the stereo. Don't sit around looking like ghosts. There's a man in her kingdom who is full of the divine Holy Spirit, light, understanding, wisdom, were found in him. So she's saying, get with it and get him here. So I don't know if he took a Uber camel or whatever, because he wasn't, like I said, he was sort of a off the main drag. They get him there. And um, 
we could say, who is this Daniel? And it's an interesting thought because we've already said and I've said um, what, how well qualified and I thought of uh, when I was in seventh grade, um, teacher said, what do you want to be? I said, I want to be a baseball player. And an elite baseball player, or even uh, I soon found out that that was not going to be mine. Um, but an elite baseball player is called a five-tool player. And uh, Rocco would know this well. And others of you that are sports nuts, that, that I think it's hitting for average, hitting for power, running well or speed with good speed a strong arm and fielding. And I might've had three and a half of those. So that's why I never went much beyond a little league or pony league, whatever it was. But in this case, I'm looking at Daniel, one of the four, the four really were what I call men with seven skill tools. And then that early part of chapter one, I'm not going to go back, but, incredible um, just from their looks to their mind to their abilities and uh, one critical or standout skill that God gave the four was high competence to stand in the king's palace and service and in chapter Five verse 13 it says Daniel is brought before the king and as I said he's now an older or refocused ambassador in the royal court somehow King Bel Belshazzar wasn't didn't have him on his ready call list he wasn't uh, till grandma gives him the scoop about what a significant help this guy might be, especially for this immediate crisis that had him shaken, as it literally says, shaking in his boots, his knees knocking, whatever you want to say. So I recently, again, with the Dallas, uh, I think it was April, it's a good, really riveting, it's a uh, Chuck Swindle, who's at Dallas, I think he was president actually, but um, talks about to prospective students, you and your eulogy. And he didn't use Daniel, but just what he said, it, it's uh, amazing how I think another person he referred to was David Brooks, the columnist. <laughs> for the New York Times, conservative, speaking of labels. And he said, our resumes are our virtues. But <coughs> Swindle said, that's very true, what we did or what we offer. And certainly Daniel had an incredible resume. I don't really, it's hard to say, <clears throat> because it's historical with um, 
the king that he was possibly a, a military. And he supposedly at this time, um, had um, they knew the Medes and the Persians were had the place under siege, and um, <clears throat> he had they, he concluded historically. I think I don't think it's in chapter five by any means, but that they had enough food, we could outrun this siege and. Um, whatever other preparations that he had done, if that was his bend as a defender or (coughs) military guy. I think of the Royal Guard, he sounded like he might have been one of those that we hear about all the time in the Mideast. So not sure about uh, his resume, but I'm going to take the passage that we're going to go to now from Daniel 5 is his eulogy, what his character, that's as uh, Swindle says, <clears throat> your resume is your virtues and talents. Your eulogy is what, what was your character? As it's typically given after you've passed. And anyway, this, I'm, um, taking this as Daniel giving a eulogy for for Belshazzar. And it's in, uh, again, you may not find it comfortable to try and track with it. It's Daniel 5, verses 18 to 21. He says, listen, O king, the high God gave your father Nebuchadnezzar and Larry covered this last week, a great kingdom and a glorious reputation because God made him so famous. People from everywhere, whatever their race, color and creed, were totally intimidated by him. He killed or spared people on whim. He promoted or humiliated people capriciously. He developed a big head and a hard spirit. Then God knocked him off his high horse stripped him of his fame. He was thrown out of the human company, lost his mind, lived like a wild animal, he ate grass like an ox, was soaked by heaven's dew until he learned his lesson that the high God rules human kingdoms and puts anyone he wants in charge. And now he really uh, gets into the heavy part. This is his specific to the King Bell. You are his son, and that's literally not, but he's in the royal whatever run, (laughs) and have known all this, yet you're as arrogant as he ever was. Look at you, setting yourself up in competition against the master of heaven. You had the sacred chalices from his temple brought into your drunken party so that you and your nobles, your wives, and your concubines could drink from them. You used the sacred chalices to toast your gods of silver and gold, bronze and iron, wood and stone, blind, deaf, imbecile gods. But you treat with contempt the living God 
who holds your entire life from birth to death in his hand. And, and God sent the hand that wrote on the wall. This wasn't just whatever, a conjured up thing. It was the hand of the, the Lord in a physical, amazing way. And this is what is written, many Tekel Perez, and we know what the words mean. God has numbered the days of your rule, and they don't add up. You've been weighed on the scales, and you don't weigh much. But your kingdom has been divided up and handed over to the Medes and Persians. And later on, even that night, he's murdered. You, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, though you knew all this. And back to that idea of recognition, what most of us, or maybe some of you, may not have recognized who the Lord is, but most of us presumably know that God's hand is in your breath and so forth. So that was the Babylonian generation, or and even that, it's another one. Historically accounted for, but then it was the Medes and the Persians who were literally at the gates. And I think I uh, read a historical thing. They were, they trenched the Euphrates, what, came through the split the city, I think, and worked their way in. That was, was, again, man, but the God allows the amazing things that God does. Like we wonder, can anybody, can someone reach that person? And I heard of um, another Dallas um devotional or chapel thing was uh, Sorrel, uh, who's a teacher there, and he uh, spoke of La Vida, I think is his name, who was almost president around the time of uh, Fidel Castro, and he burned out his life, so to speak, praying and hoping that he would have the opportunity to tell Fidel Castro about and lead him again. The Lord would get a hold of, of Fidel and the passion of that we can have of uh, what we would give or spend our life on. But now I'm going to uh, transition, and this is a mini question. This is the people had a reputation in the ancient world as an unruly, hard-drinking, sexually promiscuous bunch of people. And who am I reading about? I'm giving a little clue that it's ancient. 
This is the people of Corinth, according to Eugene Peterson. I guess you could say I'm in the school of Eugene Peterson. That's in his intro to uh, Corinthians. But I was thinking, if you take out ancient, it sounds like USA, many modern countries today. The people of Corinth, um, and Paul was speaking to them in a huge way in both First Corinthians and Second um, Corinthians, but particularly in First uh, Corinthians, talking about the Lord and what um, the message we have, as it were, to to bring. Um, in Larry's talk last week, I was noticing a verse, Daniel four seventeen, so that everyone living will know that the high God rules human kingdoms. He arranges kingdoms affairs however he wishes and makes leaders out of losers. And that's a little scary. It's like uh, Deerfoot at one time was going to have in their camp brochure that Deerfoot aims to develop godly leaders. And somebody thankfully uh, said, not everybody, not every child, young boy or girl in a girls camp, but it, this was Deerfoot, can be a leader. So let's make it godly, godly men. And we're trusting we're all, that's an ambition we all have to be godly men and women. And um, Daniel, to me, shows not only the importance of being godly or seen as that as um, he's written of, and uh, even the grandmother again, that was her label that she put on him. But to me, Daniel shows the worth of getting deep with the Lord. He's had to have spent great hours we know the story of him praying and publicly being observed praying. And I just, he was gifted, no doubt about it, wonderfully with gifts of abilities and such from the Lord. But I really think the what I would hope we could take from uh, him is that he was somebody who loves to get deep with God. And also, in the book of Daniel, these are, I guess, Old Testament miracles that we witness. And as a Sunday school teacher with Susan, I can remember uh, any of those, as we all know. I'm calling them uh, Sunday school, hold on to your seat miracles. The stories are just, you can't hear them or see them on a photograph or whatever. Um, way it's presented and not be, whoa, this is something. And Steve has one of the classics next week, but um, 
miracles? Are they still happening? And what is the greatest miracle? And Paul in 1 Corinthians 1.24, he wrote, Christ is God's ultimate miracle and wisdom, all wrapped up in one. And then further on in 1 Corinthians 2, he writes, God's wisdom is something mysterious that goes deep into the interior of his purposes. You don't find it lying around on the surface. It's not the latest message, but more like the oldest. What God determined as a way to bring out his best in us long before we ever arrived on the scene. The experts of our day haven't a clue about what this eternal plan is. And those are really grab you verses too. Whether you're standing or sitting. And I would encourage us and myself, certainly as much as anyone, if you and I recognize that he's the greatest miracle or refocus on this, then we or our lives, which are, as it's written in another portion of Corinthians, a letter that anyone can read just by looking at us. Christ himself wrote it with God's living spirit, not chiseled into stone, but carved into human lives. Like we've had something written in our lives or it's being written, let's put it that way. And um, that comes down to what do we relate as believers today and the variety of places we move and have our interactions, whether we're retired or, um, believe it or not, I've had some strange discussions with some of my golf buddies too about things that I didn't even plan, but they come out when you're chatting, even a golf cart or, you know, you golfers. Okay, so relate. What do we want to relate? The reconciliation. I've really worked over the the REs today, the emphasis. Reconciliation message. Second Corinthians 5.20 says, we are ambassadors or Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. Speaking for Christ himself now, become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. Another of that, get deep with the Lord. And now the phrase, uh, dedicate your lives to the Lord. I know it's one in Jimmy's favor. It's, I never saw this. I saw the, the verse first, the witness verse in first Peter three, 15. Be ready to give 
and answer for the hope that's in you and do it with gentleness and respect. But the phrase, and that's an interesting way the Lord's been leading me. I've been doing phrase studies because I got all this time as a retiree. But anyway, the phrase before that verse is uh, in dedicate your lives to Christ as Lord or set apart the Lord in your heart and then be prepared. And I think that's what Daniel, he committed, dedicated his life to the Lord. Um, This in closing, some of the challenges we face today, once again, Eugene Peterson, he was, um, according to one of my sources, said that today we have a problem with selfish Christians and the selfish church and the unholy trinity. And what's the unholy trinity? My needs, my wants, my feelings, instead of, again, getting deep in the love of the Lord. And then this is from that La Vestida, who um, had a passion to witness to Castro. The three paradoxes of the Christian life. You give to receive. You let go to possess. You die to live. Like the scripture says, if you love your life, you lose it. If you give your life to the Lord, you have it in abundance. And finally, this is um, Andrew Brunson's, but this was in decision April 21, some rules that she had in her uh, child rearing. She was a missionary with her husband, uh, what is it, Russia, Pakistan, Mexico, beside Andrew, of course, was um, in the Turkey. And her um, rule six of six rules was, ask God to help you love him so much that no price will be too high to pay for him. And I'd like that to be the conclusion or what we take from the life of Daniel and this weird moment of translating a message of doom for this king. And I'm not going to close in prayer, but if they're going to queue up a Brooklyn Tabernacle, my uh, children or family knows I'm a Brooklyn Tabernacle junkie, their music and so forth. But the song is uh, in his presence, uh, or in the presence of the Lord, Alan. And instead of me praying, why don't we all 
just bow in prayer. I think it's a video. Not not saying you have to, but um, thank a prayer, say a prayer, lift up a prayer. Let's all just pray within ourselves, within our hearts, um, and appreciate uh, all that we have in the Lord and his love.